0: It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. Now, Paul says three things remain. Remember what those three things are? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, why is that? Well, one reason that is is because love is eternal. Well, faith and hope are actually temporary. And what I mean is when you are standing in heaven, you won't need faith anymore because faith is the conviction of things unseen. When you are in heaven, you will see it. You will see God face to face. You will see Jesus sitting on the throne. So faith is no longer necessary. When you are in heaven, your hope will finally be realized. And so hope will vanish too, but faith and hope disappear. But love remains because God is love. Love is eternal. When we are in heaven, we will love God and we will love each other for all eternity. But in this life, in this life faith and hope almost certainly necessary. We could all use a little bit more faith and hope, couldn't we? Jesus's words today are actually about hope. And that might strike you as absurd. Especially considering his jarring words, brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father, his child, and children will deliver parents. How is that hopeful? Well, it's hopeful because hope is all about expectation. What hurts the worst in life is whenever you expect something really great, and then something dismal happens. At least when you expect something bad to happen, and it happens, well, you were prepared for it. What causes a lot of anxiety in your life, also, is when you have no idea what to expect. What's the worst part about going to any big concert or venue or sports event? It's parking. If you're anything like me, you actually consider skipping out on the entire thing, just because you have no idea where you're gonna park and it keeps you up at night. What's the worst part about going over to someone's house for dinner, especially if they're Lutherans? It's the prayer. And not because the prayer's bad, But it's because you don't know what you're going to say. Do they say, come, Lord Jesus? And if they do, do they say, "Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good? And if they say that, do they say amen in between? That's what keeps me up at night. Hope is all about expectation. And hope is a positive expectation of what will happen. The opposite is fear. Fear is a negative expectation. (laughs) But this message is not about fear, because Jesus says no less than three times today, fear not. He is telling you, Christians, about the things that will happen so that you can expect them. And when they do happen, you can say, oh yeah, Jesus told me about that. So that your hope and your faith will be in him all the more. Now Jesus gives us three things as Christians, to expect. The first is that you can expect to do about as well as Jesus did in this life. Spoiler alert, not very well. The second thing you can expect is that God will always take care of you. He will always be with you. And the third thing you can expect is that Christ will bring vindication on the last day. So first, you can expect to do about as well as Jesus did in this life. If you expect wild success in this life with little opposition, you're expecting to do better than Jesus did. That's not a good place to be in. Now this sounds like an antithesis to what Jesus said last week. Remember at the beginning of Matthew 10, Jesus gives authority to the apostles to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, and cast out demons. That's pretty crazy. And when you hear that, the apostles must have started to feel a little bit unstoppable. What could stop us? Well, now Jesus is saying, just hold on a second. Just because you have power over sickness, death, and demons does not mean that you have the power to avoid name-calling, persecution, and even death. Jesus is saying you can expect those things, expect the name-calling. If they have called the master of the house all." How much more will they malign those of his household? So Jesus casts out demons, which is a good thing for the record. We need a lot of demons cast out. But the world really doesn't like losing their demons. You can see this with Legion when he casts them into the pigs. They ask Jesus to leave. Demons are good for business. And the world kind of likes their demons. So when Jesus casts out the demons, they get angry. They slander him and they call him Beelzebub, Which, by the way, is a demon. It means Lord of the Flies. If they do that to Jesus, what are they gonna say to you when you do good Christian things, when you cast out demons with the word of God, when you spread the message of God's love according to the Ten Commandments, which is an overwhelmingly positive thing? Don't expect the world to love you for it. Expect them to call you names. Dim, bigoted, living in the past. They might even call you a drag. Although, I'm not entirely sure that's much of an insult anymore. Expect to be persecuted. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now my friends, the good thing is is that God uses persecution to spread the gospel. That's how it works. The book of Acts... They try to stomp down the gospel in Jerusalem, but they stomp down the wildfire, and it just spreads all the more to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the ends of the earth. I don't know if you knew that. The gospel comes here through persecution. That is the means. When the apostles were persecuted, you know what they did? They didn't throw a pity party. They rejoiced. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy of suffering with Christ. They took all things from our Lord's hand, realizing it was a crucified hand. They take the successes and the persecutions with joy because they realize that God works through both. Now the last thing here is that you can expect to be killed. It's the most dismal. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. Well, this is exactly what happened to Jesus. Brother delivering brother, handing over brother, betraying brother Judas. Hands over his brother, Jesus. The Father, it says, the word the is there, will deliver his child over to death. That's what happens to Jesus. The Father delivers his son over to death for the salvation of us. And If that happens to Jesus, what makes you think you can escape that? Did you not think that it would ever come down to your confirmation vows? I'd rather die than fall away from the faith. Did you not think that it would never come down to your baptism, where you actually died with Christ? This is actually good for us, though. It's good for us so that we would start tightening the belt a little bit and relying on our Father. What's the difference between me and a man who knows that he's going to die in three months? The difference is that he knows it. And he has immense clarity. Imminent death has a way of clarifying things. They make you get your priorities straight. And the first thing that that man should do is get right with God. The only way to do that is through the cross of Jesus Christ. second thing he does is he starts to focus on spending time with his loved ones, which is also good. But even if the world kills you, this is the second point now, expect God to take care of you. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny... Not one of them will fail fail to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. For some of you it's easier than others. Fear not, therefore, for you are of more value than many sparrows. A little chipmunk is ravaging a garden, going through the potted plants, a little jerk. God takes care of him, if he takes care of the birds who are not created in his image, and how much more is he going to take care of you, his baptized, his beloved, his elect? Do you know that you were chosen before the foundation of the world to spend all of eternity with God? There is not a more comforting doctrine than the doctrine of election. So what are you afraid about? Don't fear the world. The Christian message has always been this one. Our God can die, which means that we can die. There's a lot of angst in our country, even in our synod, our church bodies, its institutions, its colleges. What if these things fail? Well, I've got a counterpoint. Who cares? It's a good thing to have these institutions if they are doing the will of God. That's good. But if they are no longer serving their purpose, it doesn't really matter. The fact is, if something dies, God can raise it back from the dead. So don't fear the world. Don't care what they think. Fear God and fear Him alone. And He takes care of those who fear Him. The fact is, you are unstoppable, but not because you have power over death, demons, and sickness in this life. You are unstoppable because you live in Christ Jesus. And the world killed him, and he just came back from the dead. And the same thing is going to happen to you. The last thing you can expect is Christ's vindication. So have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What key was that in? Was that in in C? Oh, good gravy. (laughs) (laughs) It all gets revealed like a phone that's not on silent. Now, the thing that the world fears the most is exposure. See, Epstein, Gates, Fauci, Prince Andrew and the CIA. fact is, there's a lot of monkey business going on. And there's a heck of a whole lot that we don't know about. But Jesus says, don't fear. Don't fear this. Now, the psalmists are in particular attuned to this, especially Psalm 73. You should go read it sometime. It's pretty long. It's right smack dab in the middle of the Psalter. There's 150 psalms. And Psalm 73 is the hinging psalm. It's the beginning of Book 3. And in Psalm 73, he looks out, he says, Hey God, you said that the righteous would do well in this life. That's not how it's working. The wicked are doing pretty well. They are fat and sleek. What's going on? Now Jesus acknowledges this. Yeah, the wicked are going to do well for themselves in this life, but don't have fear. Because the fact is, on the last day, everything will be revealed. Everyone will have to give an account before the almighty God. So what will you say? What will you say tomorrow concerning our Lord? What will you say standing before the throne of God? It better be nothing but Christ's and his righteousness. But more importantly, what will Jesus say concerning you? So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men... I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven." The most important thing for the church and her members to do is to be faithful. To be faithful to God and to be faithful to his word. And To be faithful means to make a public confession of who Jesus Christ is. Faith is not a private thing. It is very public publicly confess who Jesus is before others. You sing of his love. And when you do that, you give a witness to the world and you also give a witness to fellow believers. Now, oftentimes it's not well received, but sometimes it is. Now, one of my favorite moments of the church service is during communion, whenever you guys are singing at me. Because in that moment, you were teaching me the faith and you are encouraging me. And it should encourage you to be surrounded by fellow believers who confess Jesus with you. What can you expect as a Christian? You can expect a cross. But it is a cross of glory. It is a cross of victory. It is a cross of indescribable joy. It is the tree of life. If thou but trust in God to guide thee, hope through him in all thy ways. He'll give thee strength whate'er betide thee, and bear thee through the evil days. Who trusts in God's unchanging love, builds on the rock that not can move.